I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, welcome to Going Off Track. My name is Jonah. What's up? W- what's up? What's up? <laughs> wow. What's up, y'all? What's up, Hey, Brad? Stavros. Yeah, man. Uh, I don't get to come in that often, and I'm very psyched to, to hang out and come to you from this godsend called the internet. Is that where you are now? You live in the internet? I live in the internet. I am now discorporal. I have uploaded my entire consciousness like that one old episode of the X-Files where that actually happened. Really? <laughs> Oh yeah. What did you think? I of wasn't that? a big X Files fan, so I didn't. I didn't watch too many. It what got too you, creepy you, for me. Did you watch any of the X Files reboot stuff? No, no, it was too creepy for me. Really? That's, yeah, I get. I'm. I'm a giant weenie. Like I, the my creep factor kind of ends with um, probably Mr. Robot. That's creepy enough for me. Just because uh, it's just like I just feel so anxious when I watch it. <laughs> so um, I, I look away at any kind of gore. I'm a weenie. You know, by the time that you hear this, we should be well into the holiday season. Uh, yes. But today's a sad day for me. <gasps> you know what today is? Brad. Today is the last official band recording at Rubber Tracks Brooklyn. What? what? Yeah. And you're here for it. The what? band is recording today will be the last Rubber Tracks band to record. I'm not sure they even know this because we're kind of... Next week, we've got to sort of soft out with some some sort of internal projects, but this will be the last band that applied and got in and they're done. Holy crap. Um, Brad is going to ask if my band can record here. (laughs) Is that possible? Uh, So all of my friends who have bands who didn't hit us up when I said to, sorry, but dude, seriously. So wait, so what's happening with the studio? Uh, They're shutting it down. Ah. It will be glass towers of condos this time next year. I predict looking around at the rest of this. And wasteland. I'm guessing no one listens, but I guess we'll be able to afford one. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> so basically, if you guys could up your donations this week, that would just be a big help for Brad. He has children. They need health insurance. Well, Jonah and I kind of prefaced this a little bit in some previous intros, but um, the podcast will not suffer. We've already got some alternatives for where we'll record it. And, uh, you know, so don't be worried about that. Um, but if you want to hire Brad for a job, <laughs> check out his resume over at Soundwag. Yeah, it might be there. It might be there. Um, 
Anyway, speaking of changing... Sorry to bring it down, but I thought it was important to talk about that. I'm yeah. going to go into a corner and punch myself hard in the dick. It's You know what? It's not a huge tragedy because the actual program was originally slated to just be five years, and it's been more than that. So it's not like a giant surprise, but it is, you know, it is a sad day. So, so we're going to so start drinking out Where am I going to hang out? <laughs> <laughs> where am I going to go? The biggest tragedy is where will Jonah Bear go? He's gonna lose. <laughs> he's gonna lose his compass. Oh my god! I guess I can go to Vice and hang out there, but so <laughs> many people. I guarantee people are gonna ask Jonah. Well, Jonah, where are you gonna work now? I know. <laughs> I guess I can just have to go home. <laughs> oh no! We'll find. I'll I'll find something for you, Jonah. Thank you. Just quickly, I was not. I was not gonna like try to just blow quickly into a new gig. But now that you've put it like this, I'm I, I'm gonna step it up a little bit. Thank you so much. I'm gonna work on my resume right now. And <laughs> it's it's apt that you did this intro because today's guest on the podcast has recorded at Rubber Tracks many times. Walter is definitely a friend of the. Friend of the of the rubber tracks. Yes. Um, Walter Schreifels returned to the podcast. Did this episode with Brad and Benny. And yeah, I feel like a bunch of Walters. I feel like I've come here sometimes <laughs> and Walter's just like hanging out. Well, Walter, like, you know, he's smart. He's, he lives he's in used the neighborhood. The, he's used it to record. We've recorded as, you know, fully like, you know, he applied just like everybody else. His band wasn't signed at the time, the band that he was recording. So he's totally legitimately got in. And recorded and and then he came back to rehearse. Like and the cool thing is anybody could rehearse. So yeah, um, but he's rehearsed a few times. It was cool when they did the quicksand rehearsals because yeah, I remember you sent us the pictures. <laughs> we're like, God damn it, Walter really just applied. I feel like I'd yeah. be like, dude, well, come on. He he did. I told him to though. So yeah, it would be yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Of course he call, yeah he called me and asked, but I told him to. But yeah, the quicksand rehearsals were great because you know like I mean I know all those guys. I mean I, mm-hmm. I'd lived with the drummer and. And I've and I've known uh, Walter and and uh, Sergio forever. Sergio Sergio DJing downstairs yeah. at Niagara. Yeah, with Chaka. Remember that you, team? No, I never saw him with Chaka, but I remember Chaka when yeah, he Chaka. was when Sergio was DJing. Orange, Orange Nine. When I met Trish. Oh really? He was wow. the DJ. So he played the soundtrack to your love, which I believe was a Britney Spears tune. <laughs> nice. Sergio's good met. at mixing it up, man, for sure. Um, and I wanted to mention that Walter's latest project is Vanishing Life. Uh, Walter who? Walter Schreifel. <laughs> uh, who actually, United Nations played a show with it at uh, South by Southwest a couple of years ago. And they're great. And it's Walter and uh, our friend Zach from Rise Against, Jamie Miller from Trail of Dead, who now drums in Bad Religion, and Autry Fulbright from Midnight Masses and Trail of Dead, and they have a new record. It came out November 11th called Surveillance on Dine Alone Records. Wait, Jamie was in Trail of Dead and Snot? Yes. Holy crap. He's, yes. an, ama- ever, he's an amazing drummer. I just saw him with Bad Religion, and I have to say, at first, I was like in that, like, this isn't Brooks kind of phase, and oh, then yeah. by the end of the show, he had won me over. I was like, actually, this guy's pretty good. Yeah, he's... So, I mean, it's hard. I mean, Brooks is his whole family are drummers. It's hard to compete. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's also but, weird seeing them without Greg Hetson and with a yeah. drum. Like, it's just like, it's like, I mean, it's cool. Like, I mean, watching, I could watch like Jay, Brian, and Greg Reffin all day, but it's just, yeah. you're so, you get so used to a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Is Greg, is Greg ever coming back or is that just is like a hiatus kind of thing? Or No, I don't, I don't think it's a hiatus thing. Oh, interesting. Well, um, I mean, he was in the band for a while. So. Yes. And uh, if you're a fan of Bad Religion, 
there may be an upcoming episode with Greg Graffin. Who knows? Maybe. Mm. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? Just saying. You never know. I don't know. Maybe we might have to go into the unknown on that one. That is true. That is true. Really good one, Stephen. I was think actually trying to think of a better religion pun and couldn't. Um, and <laughs> For you, now, though, I think we need to go into this Walter Streifel's Yes, and, it, and and this is a very... We talk a lot about New York. We talk a lot about Walter's history. And Benny asked him so many questions about Walter's first band, The Rodents. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I think Walter was in when he was like 10 years old, uh, <laughs> growing up in Queens. So check it out. Walter Streifel's I'm Going Off Track. Can you get that high? Uh, Check it and see. (laughs) They're a funny band because they um they have a lot of badass hits. Yeah, but they don't have like a badass identity. Who is Foreigner? Foreigner. Okay. You know, and the name now, I guess it would be a cool name, Foreigner. And people are. Might get upset about that. Yeah, they can misconstrue it. Yeah. You'll get upset about they a lot were, more stuff. They now. were one of the bands that that made punk happen by existing. Tell me how. against it. Yeah. Wait, yeah, why? Foreigner was one of those bands that like that all the punk bands were rebelling against. Oh, I see. There's I think like, they were making a strong argument for their rock sound though, with riffs like for real. That's the funny thing about it. I mean, it. I would maybe take that over uh Holiday in the Sun. Ooh, that double vision. Oh, double vision. That double vision's got the best of me. Yeah, the rebellion was basically just about taking chorus, the chorus pedal off the guitar. It was really what and it was the all look, about. Yeah. like the, the look, look yeah. and the vibe. Yeah, more even so than the music, right? You know, yeah, because the foreigner look and vibe was pretty over the top. I felt it was just kind of like <laughs> unoffensively seventies long haired yeah. general. Like, yeah, that's true. You get a pass. Like, there's no one dude like. You know, like bass uh, player with a leather vest, like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, wasn't there a time in music where there was like you'd have a weird bass player that would be like, you know, f- he'd be overweight and freaking out. He'd be like the wacky bass player, <laughs> funky guy wearing jams or something. Yeah, he'd have high Character. shoes, high <laughs> shoes, and like some sort of loud shirt. Yeah, it would be, that was maybe the '90s or something. That was like a thing. It was your yeah. job to be the clown. Like, yep, we need a goofball bass player, and then we've got it. But there was no one standing out in farther. They were just. Pretty flat, and was it was it not a uh, Jason Bonham on drums? No, but in Foreigner, or was he the later drummer? No, 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 I don't think Jason he did at some oh, point really? play for Foreigner because oh, I remember it would have been after when they the did. Fact. Do you remember the celebrity making the band where they put like Sebastian Bach mm. and Jason Bonham and I believe Scott Ian, yeah, and, uh, and a couple fun Biohazard. Yeah, they put those funky mm. characters together. Oh, you're right. Okay, 2004 to 2007, Jason oh, Bonham. Oh, three Foreigner runs. Wow. So it must have been when they made that show because they were touting Jason Bonham as the drummer from Foreigner. Oh, okay. Which I was surprised about. That was straight up like Atlantic City, Vegas. Exactly. Cruise uh, tour. Mississippi, gambling riverboat, Foreigner. <laughs> I was talking about this the other night. I was watching a show, Bar Rescue, and they tried to rescue Tim the Ripper Owens' bar. Yeah, I don't know who that is. He was a guy who they based that movie Rockstar on. 
and he was saying for Judas Priest from like ninety six oh. to like two thousand four. That's based on a real story. Yeah, so, so he the was guy in was a Judas, Judas Priest, Priest mega band, fan, and they oh. found him. Wow. But then it was sort of like they're trying to save. He's got this weird bar in Ohio, and they're trying to save it. And the guy's like, "If this bar fails, your brand as the Ripper is going to fail." And it's like. Dude, you played on two Judas Priest records. Like, it's like your brand. Don't like, take the brand so seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone Do takes, your thing. Yeah. You're fucking you. psyched. You're the Ripper. You have a cool name. <laughs> You're on Judas Priest. Those dudes will probably still f- hang out if they're in town. I'm sure. And you can't even be mad if, like, Homeboy wants to come back in the band. I mean, he is the guy. Yeah, that's true. You can't true. even get mad about it. Yeah. Like, have you about, ever had a name like that? Yeah, have you ever? No, dude. Because I'm saying Schreifel's, no offense, it's not. It's not it the doesn't Ripper. Roll have you thought of Ripper tongue. level? Have I'm you ever saying. thought of loaning your name? Because this basically the situation with this bar was there was a partner who put up the money, and uh-huh. then Ripper basically gave his name to it. Uh-huh. I mean, has anyone ever come to you and been like, "I want to open Walters"? Like, <laughs> this is, I'm I'm gonna put up the money. <laughs> it's not really a look. All right, we're looking. <laughs> Brad okay, the only brought up a really picture a- of Foreigner. We're looking at, I mean, yeah, it's like generic. I was right with the vest. <laughs> They're kind we of in the, the mold one, of like one Kansas vest, or even the Eagles. Like, there's no real super pretty. Boy, that could but nearly no be like all the white characters from Welcome Back, Cotter. Yeah, <laughs> right. It could also just be like the only cool kids in high school too. But look at Homie in the back. Looks, That's like the one crazy Blue Oyster Cult fan who's just like. <laughs> it looks like these people don't even know each other. <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah. Yeah, what's up with that body language? Under their asses right now, there are like little pieces of tape with their names on it for like, like where was, they were directed to sit. I like that there's like, it was necessary to have six people to make the sound of Foreigner <laughs> yeah. in the band. Like, Jonah, I think when we release Radiohead? when we release this podcast, we're going to have to release this image along yeah, with I'm it put for the link. I'll put the link in for okay, everybody to great. see. Okay, perfect. the guy on the perfect. far left maybe yeah. doesn't quite have it right. It's like What's he wants to that? have like yeah. a regular kind of like 80s haircut in the top, right. but he's holding on to the 70s in the like back part. Maybe he's... Um, a Hasidic Jew on the weekends. He needed the payas. <laughs> the payas? <laughs> he needed the long sides. If you get rid of that, he's like, I'm going to start in computers. I'm going to start in the future. And then you go like that, but I love to rock. I'm Jewish. <laughs> to illustrate for anyone listening, Walter is currently at the screen of the computer playing with this guy's Giving a little makeover. Doing a little makeover. I kind of see myself as this kind of like friendly guy. You think you're a friendly guy? Yeah, I'd be that guy. Like, you know, kind of like new wave. Like, I'm anticipating new wave there. (laughs) Oh, you're like, maybe you were like the one guy who like in his bunk on the bus was like listening to new wave when everyone was in the main Yeah, I was into Blondie. (laughs) There's this new band from New York called the Talking Heads that I like. You guys just don't get it. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like Walter, go in your bunk. We're out here listening I, to the OG. Dude, I just rode. I just rode fucking cold as ice, dude. <laughs> and you're talking about fucking talking <laughs> heads, you <laughs> nerd. <laughs> no, no wonder none of us like you. The keyboard player. Yeah. All right. Gotta well, be. You know. But they they got some badass songs, man. Double Vision is great. Um, cold as ice. Best one of the best piano songs ever. Speaking of badass bands. Yeah. I want to hear about the rodents. The rodents, man. Yeah. The wow. deep cut. That was my first band was the rodents and uh, inspired by the Ramones. And, How uh, old were you at this point? Like 11? Uh, older. I was probably like 12, 13. Okay. Uh, and you a were, little bit older. You were doing guitar. I was playing guitar and um, 
We had a song called Reagan Youth, which nice. had like Casio keyboard parts in it. And Did uh, you know a band no, named Reagan Youth had I existed? No, did and I don't know that they actually wow. did at that time. That's awesome. Did um, you, we, we were not a fan of Ronald Reagan's policy at that point. I didn't really <laughs> understand his policies, but I, I was understand. against him. Okay. Just maybe by, you know, because my parents were against him. <clears throat> okay. And so maybe I just kind of went along on that. But, um... Was it a three-piece, four-piece? Like, who were the uh, guys you started the road into? Tommy with? Howley, um, Chris Conti, who I learned how to play guitar with. And this was in Queens, right? This was in Rockaway. Okay. And um, and uh, Mike Schuster, who had seen the Dead Kennedys. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and then we switched the name from the Rodents to Not Quite. <laughs> Which was kind of a bad name, actually. The rodents was so I think much I prefer better. The rodents, yeah. <laughs> but then, but not quite. We had a denim jacket painting of Mike Schuster, the dude that I had seen Dead Kennedys, had a uh, a um, denim jacket painting of Not Quite, and it was kind of like in a yes motif. Ooh. But our music wasn't like that at all. <laughs> uh, if but, you could like describe the rodents tunes, uh, generally, or like who who was like the bands that you guys were like like sweating when you guys were doing the rodents um and what year was this i probably like? had just discovered hardcore at that point okay um and i had seen i knew who i had knew who the ramones were uh, and this is like late of, 80s or uh this is early 80s probably early 80s. at the same time as uh shout at the devil motley Crue. gotcha because i remember thinking this record's pretty badass too and it is yeah i mean i, mean, I was into hardcore and so but i didn't have the it was just music to right. me. Like I had some cassette tapes of it that I had taped from the radio. So it wasn't like I had like I knew two Dead Kennedy songs because they happened to play them on the radio. And I was looking for the records, but in trying to get you know music that would fit the the feeling that I had, like uh, she's got looks that kills a badass song. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was at the in that time. So I don't know. That's eighty three something like that. Right. Eighty four. And uh, the songs were kind of like, some of them were just kind of funny about other kids, like in school, <laughs> you know, like making fun of them. And you, get, just you were doing diss tracks. Yeah, I mean, kind of, <laughs> you know, but, but just kind of funny ones. And um, you guys predated KRS-One in ma- New York City no making diss tracks. Just like I mean, kind of, you know, making fun of people's appearances and just like normal <laughs> shit like that. And um, or there was one girl that talked really had like a soft speaking voice so we had a song called speak a little louder <laughs> and there was like a, a middle part of the song where she would just talk and and it was like kind of like a you know eight bars or something she'd be like hey you know what we should really do is we just be like what <laughs> and the chorus and she'd say something like i, I can't i can't hear you and she, and then so then the chorus would come in and it was like Speak a little louder, 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 ooh. <laughs> Speak a little louder, 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 ooh. <laughs> it's a nice song, actually. Um, and that was the kind of the rodent. So the rodents and our symbol was a rat with a mohawk and a leather jacket. But if honestly, if I got a mohawk or wore a leather jacket in Rockaway, I would just get my ass kicked every uh. time I walked outside of the house. So we kind of had like more of like an ACDC kind of like denim, full denim look. What was that neighborhood like in early 80s? Uh, Rockaway Bell Harbor, where I lived, is kind of people are, that are familiar with Rockaway now is more in the like 80s and 90s. Right. Uh, Bell Harbor is on the other side of 116th where the train 
comes in. And it's just kind of like nice. It starts off like kind of, uh, you know, cops, firemen, Irish Catholic kind of. And then it gets into Nuponset where uh, there's a Hasidim kind of population in the 30s. And then in the in the 40s, Nuponset, it's more like really kind of wealthy, like Jordash, Jordash jeans. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived up there. Oh, wow. and that was kind of a big deal in the 80s. Um, and it's just really nice. There's like mansions up there. and uh, But, you know, it's kind of, you're very isolated. Uh, you know, you can see Manhattan, but it's a super long train yeah, ride. Yeah, that's what, hour and a half on the subways uh, or I mean, it seemed like in? longer when you're that age. Yeah, you know? And sure. I wasn't really allowed to go to the city. So we'd get up Saturday morning, get on the train. Yeah, it'd be like an hour and a half get to west fourth street because we thought that's where things were supposed to be <laughs> and uh it looked like kind of downtown and we would just walk around and, and try to find records or you know look at people have a slice of pizza and then go home and you know by dinner time so you already knew about punk you're already playing music and yeah and okay. i was not only into punk i was into i mean where i got most of my kind of cool musical knowledge was from uh from a radio station in Long Island called LIR, and they were playing all the new stuff from England. Oh, and cool. um, So, like, I heard the first Smith single, like, when it came out. So when uh-huh. I went and stuff, things that were happening at that time. And uh, so when I went to Ohio, I was into some hardcore, but I kind of just became more new wave and just was having more fun in that, just drinking, hanging out, girls. I was not really so into music although i had like a band but it wasn't like i didn't see it as like you know i was into the necros who were from there right. but um it was hard you know i couldn't drive you couldn't find anything like that uh in my squad i was just more into like hanging out going to parties kind of just really i had a great time I, <coughs> I, you know i I was having so much fun that I, I failed like every single class and had to come back to New York. That's my mom was like, that shit's, cr- you're no. Right, so, right, right. Nope. Did you right. have like, I had a very different high school experience than you? Yeah, yeah. I loved it there. We had yeah. like a football team. Yeah. Cute girls. It was awesome. House parties. It was straight John Hughes for me. Why, I loved it. Jonah, what was your experience? Like, yeah. were you like, I, uh, Ethan Embry and Can't Hardly Wait? No, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's like a lot of stuff we talked about with Charlie. Like, I just felt like I was like a little bit of like an outcast. Like, I was real into, it was like, you know, I was real into punk. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, this was later. I was, this was like in, you know, like mid 90s. But mm-hmm. yeah, I was just like, wore combat boots, like, didn't, couldn't get any girls, like, mm. smoked cigarettes, like, talked about bad religion, like... Yeah, those were all the ways to not get girls, for yes. sure. <laughs> if there was a way to not get... Like, a sweater vest could have helped. Yeah, I think I had a goatee or something. <laughs> yeah, if there was a way that, that I... If there was any way physically that I could not get girls, I, that's what I did. Wait, you couldn't have dropped... Hey, baby, I know the guys in One Life Crew. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you had yeah. that. I would go to shows where it was all guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Not so, only all guys, but all, like, big, fat, scary, yeah. tough guys. Yeah. yeah. I was I was not... Uh, I'm surprised you're not into bears. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I could have really shaped you another way, you know? I think that really came together for me when I moved back to New York <laughs> and was uh, into hardcore and punk more. When I embrace the look more, yeah. I think that's when the uh, girls really stop liking me. <laughs> See, I felt it went and you the never other way. Stopped embracing me. it, uh, yeah, you know. And, and look at me now. <laughs> I felt like I felt like all the cool hardcore and punk chicks. Excuse me, women, uh-huh. girls, yeah, um, females. 
young ladies were. <laughs> mm-hmm. I felt like I was like always the kid. I was like, oh, I'm chubby. I shave my head. I wear hoodies. I don't give a shit. And I did poorly <laughs> with women uh-huh. and well, young ladies. I did poorly uh-huh. with. Uh-huh. And then I felt like the guys who were like. I'm straight edge and I wear these Krishna beads and I got the cool new shirt or the guy who like took the time to frost his hair and go uh-huh. Liberty spikes and do all this stuff. Uh-huh. I feel like all the ladies like that dude always. Uh-huh. And it was me with my bland, you know, every man style <laughs> that, uh, yeah, maybe that, if you spiced it up a little bit, yeah. you could have caught somebody's eye. I thought so. Yeah. I mean, I've always had this instinct that like, I'm kind of like loud and my voice like cuts through a room a little, uh-huh. and I can sometimes be borderline obnoxious in I've time. Never, sometimes, sometimes for fun, yeah. you know, just because I like <laughs> throwing wrenches into a room sometimes uh-huh. and just watching things happen. Yeah. But I felt like if I mixed that kind of personality with a vibrant style, I'd be too much. Right. Like, like that guy is just trying too right, damn hard. You just hard. get too much. Yeah. It would, right. That's smart. I'd be like Perez Hilton. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be too much. Just too much. <laughs> right. Walter, right. have you always had the same kind of like, I feel like you have a very calming, like, surfery kind uh-huh. of like vibe. Have you, have you always been like this? Or did you feel like when you were younger, were you like more intense? Or like, have you always felt pretty level headed, I guess? I think maybe there's a certain level headedness that comes from, uh, you know, coming from Rockaway and being like, you know, this kind of uh, that atmosphere, like of being very down to earth, like do not and being Irish Catholic and all that kind of stuff. You do not get uh, I think there's a real don't think you're special. Yeah. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. And anyone who thinks they're special, you know, you have a special I like Terminator way to figure out how they're not special and how to remind them of how they're not. And that is the core of the Irish, you know, sense of humor is identifying those weak spots and, 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 you know, playing with them. But I think maybe that's part of, of a certain grounding to, to, uh, to my whole thing. But, you know, I think definitely there was a reason that I got into music. There's reasons that I got into this kind of, um, aggressive, you know, idealistic kind of music and um so you know but i think i'm especially as the longer you you the more things you see the more experiences that you have you realize that uh you know don't sweat the small stuff right and we also talked about last time we were here about you doing yoga in new york when there was like only one studio or something Uh yeah i got into it i mean definitely I got more enthusiastic about that over the years, but yeah, when I was my first, one of my first jobs at Integral Yoga in the city, and I was probably 19, I was going to college and, and going to the yoga center afterwards. Um, but, uh, but I think that's just, that's not like some sort of like philosophy that I'm embracing or anything like that. I think it's just like, oh, well, this is, this is, uh, you know, now it's just good mental health, physical health. You must have been around a lot of guys at that time who were sort of cracking into that thing. Because I know you're around a lot of people into Krishna. Oh, yeah. But I can't imagine that those people were too unattached from, you know, things like yoga and and meditation and that kind of thought. Was that like part of, you know, that initial thing with Krishna with those guys? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting to me to be exposed to these different things and like vegetarianism, uh, you know, and again, coming from Rockaway, like... You know, to me, Hare Krishna's was like 
the scene from Airplane where right. Krishna gives you a flower yeah. that is, is Jews to for be, Jesus. Yeah, it's just to be like, give me a break. <laughs> right. Um, and um, so to be experiencing that, you know, like firsthand where, you know, my friends are getting into it. I was never really so tempted to get involved in it, but I did appreciate the, uh, the thinking behind it and, um, you know, some of the accoutrement of it, you know, like vegetarianism, chanting, uh, kirtans, which is like just basically dancing. And I think there's something, you know, happening at the same time with hardcore where you are, uh, at least in my experience was, you know, you're putting yourself in this, yeah, people are dancing. And like, there's times where I was thinking like, okay, I might die. You know, like I could just get trampled underneath. No one would notice and I would be dead. And, you know, and it would be like, he died at a Gnostic Front concert. What an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? No one remembers him. Quickly forgotten. Turn the page. (laughs) You know, like... You would have been a victim in pain. I would have been a victim in pain shortly. uh, Very briefly and straight to the grave. Um, But, uh, you know, this big catharsis and just like, you know, what that time is anyway, where you're... Obviously, I wasn't identifying at that point with, you know my school life and and the people I was hanging out with weren't either but I I, I felt it as uh well isn't this cool you right know, now I'm a vegetarian wow I mean I got to assume you got thrown into some pretty crazy situations without being wholly prepared for it because I know you went straight from the rodents your first band mm-hmm. playing in Warzone, right um, there was a, it was more than that. I mean, the rodents was really just like in Rockway garage band. I don't know that we played anything more than a party. It was not like okay. a serious thing. And then when I was in Ohio, it was like kind of even less than that. And, um, when I came back to New York, my mother had moved from Rockway to Astoria. And okay. so when I moved to Astoria, I didn't have any friends. And so, um, I noticed a, a kraut sticker, which is a old like punk hardcore band, uh, on a couple of different no parking, you know, signs, whatever in the neighborhood. And I'd started, started to put together, like, maybe there's some punks in this neighborhood. Like in Rockaway, there would not be any punks. Like I said, you would just get your ass kicked all the time. Right. Um, so I was like, whoa, maybe I'll meet these punks. And uh, eventually I did. And because I could play guitar, that was the way to kind of participate with this new kind of friend group and to go to the shows, like obviously the cool thing about hardcore is, you know, the distance I always was blown away when I went to CBs, like how low the stage was that you could just literally take one step up and you're on the stage and no one's telling you, you can't. And, um, you know, the courageous step is for you to actually just do it. Right. You know what I mean? And, um, and so that seemed like somehow, you know, maybe that could be a goal. But even then it was like, I didn't think anything more than, you know, maybe this would be a good way to, you know, to have fun, you know, make friends, meet girls, stuff like that. I like how, like we're asking all these stories and through no part of it, like do like school or sports or things like that seem like part of your like narrative as a kid. Like you seem Uh. to, kind of have this like thing you were looking for pretty Mm -hmm. early on like on this like a bit of a quest um yeah i guess i don't know if i thought about it in a in a quest way but i think i was i was just into music you know i liked i found at some point i realized like 
you know, there was things that I wanted to be into because my cousins were into it or because people in my community, like I wanted to be into the Grateful Dead. They had a cool logo. I tried it. They didn't work. <laughs> it was too mellow. I wanted to be into ACDC. That clicked. And, you know, I wanted to discover the things that were there for me already on WPLJ and Rockaway and, and that kind of rock culture, foreigner, whatever. So I kind of went through that and then eventually... I started to look deeper to find different sounds. And, you know, when I discovered that radio station, I would just kind of try to find different radio stations and just with the sounds would, would be like, whoa, this is something else. You know, like hearing The Cure for the first time and being like, what is this? Right. You know, this doesn't sound like anything. And, um, or hearing The Smiths for the first time, like hearing Anti-Nowhere League for the first time, like, uh, and not having any friend to tell you or to describe you the context it's just music right and uh so i became interested in that and uh you know i learned how to play guitar and uh were you i would say it's more of a quest or? now than it was ever before and maybe because the whole um youth crew thing that was a partial that was a quest that was more of a movement that i joined it right. wasn't like my personal thing but i was certainly into the idea of it but you're related to it yeah related to it i also thought it was cool like let's convert everybody to our way of thinking yeah you know what i mean let's get everyone to dress like we think they should dress and right. do like they do and we'll all agree it'll be great i heard some <laughs> stories about ray in those days that are pretty intense like uh-huh he's an intense guy i heard he was sort of like at that time like the unabashed like fuck you part of it like this is what we do and regardless of the context, if we're playing to like a hundred uh-huh. of our people in New York, or if we're playing to like uh-huh. six like skinheads in some town somewhere, oh, yeah. like it's going to be in your face, and we're going to relay this message, like whether they like it or not. Is that like kind oh, of the way it was? Yeah, I mean, Ray's a, a, a natural leader of men. He's just like super sharp, uh, and he's also a great songwriter and um, just an interesting person. But uh, the idea of youth of today is so tight and strong and straight edge and and all that because of, the, of things that you know ideologies and uh, that he had you know constructed as a teenager and it made complete sense to someone like me and was able to communicate around the world to where you know people are you still see people dressing in that way and identifying uh you know in a way like you know minor threat you know, Ian McKay invented straight edge, whatever. Right. And that's, you know, totally, you know, I don't know that he would be like proud of it or think it's cool in any way, but let's just say he, uh, you know, created that idea. Like Ray, like really, I think in a very kind of modern way now understood how to brand it and, mm. and, um, really packaged the ideology. And he was a believer and, generally a really intense practicer of all the things that he did i'm not to say that he wasn't tweaked and crazy too right, because sure. like that's the time that you know we were living but um i heard he was really into like show tunes yeah and things like that at yeah. that time too yeah so totally you think that tied into and... kind of the theatrics of like yeah because it all seemed like sort of like when i think about it in hindsight mm-hmm. like i grew up with shelter and youth they were already there mm-hmm. when i grew up so I was like, oh, these things, they must have existed, yeah. you know? But then when I hear some of the early stuff, like, I guess specifically for me, like Youth of Today and Bad Brains uh-huh. had these elements to it that seem so, like, 
over the top and theatric if you were to like mm-hmm. to do it in the context of what it was was it's being done. It's absolutely theatrical. I mean, you think of <clears throat> you know the songs all have these like real points that you know everyone kind of gets together and agrees upon, and they're moving the plot forward. You know, like what are we for? What are we against? And Ray is narrating the play, and everyone's included, and everyone's right. dancing. If you see old footage of those things, Ray is much more a conductor of the whole thing than he is the, uh, you know, I mean, of course, he's a charismatic frontman leader, but I see him more as like, you know, we're all part of this orchestra, mm. you know, and uh, everyone in the room is playing a part, so everyone's included, you know. So, right. uh, you know, I think people were totally uh against it and 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 wanted to resist it for all kinds of reasons you know um and you know just didn't speak to them or whatever but uh you know and i think there was people in the new york hardcore scene that saw this really awesome band and awesome uh you know just whole program you know if like murphy's laws program was like let's smoke weed and drink beer, get drunk, have a fun time, and and rock the fuck out. Right, like that's a cool program. Sure, I was down with yeah. that program too. But this particular it's an ideology. Pro- yeah, it's an yeah. ideology. Yeah. This is a tougher stretch. You know, if you don't want to sure. be a vegetarian, is vegetarian, you're always going to feel like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm not really down. You know, right. if you don't want to be straight edge, you know, you're gonna, you maybe feel that. You know, there's certain like things, but once sure. you cross into those things, then you're more ideologically driven. Right. And more dedicated to it because your diet's been changed or your your social groups will change. Yeah, you're literally changing your lifestyle to yeah. listen to a type of music. And so you're more yeah. committed and it sure. becomes more intense. It's hard to compete with, you know, and your mosh parts get better. Maybe that's why Insane <laughs> you know? Clown Posse is so big. Yeah. Maybe. You know, you gotta, maybe that's the thing. You need to to attach like physical and cultural alterations to your fans Grateful Dead yeah I mean it's not the only strategy but music is I mean why are you into different bands like music is part of it but also the ideology the imagery and how you relate to it so me for me in the hardcore I think the key of it was that it was hearkening back to the time that was only two years before but that was really cool and I wasn't there for and and I get the impression in those days that, like, even in New York, like, that early hardcore scene, especially, I guess, the things that stemmed off of, like, Agnostic Front, mm-hmm. were, like, it seems like the punk stuff in New York had already gotten to a bit of a saturation point, uh-huh. maybe, mm-hmm. and that the hardcore scene was, like, the new, like, subversive kind of let's fuck with everything, including the punk scene, like is that a correct like uh in some ways i think the hardcore thing when i was in high school in astoria in long island city um i don't think you know the kids really knew what to make of me because if i was punk you could get punk like hardcore is way more you just look it's harder to identify someone Mm. you could just be wearing a hooded sweatshirt and have a shaved head would be the closest thing that would identify you, but even that would be kind of hard to identify. You could just have problems, <laughs> which is what a lot of kids in hardcore did have right. problems. And um, to start dressing like you're from Connecticut and going to school in Long Island City, to dressing like this sort of like football jock type of person is again a rebellion within that rebellion. And it's just, it was very, um, mm. 
But I don't know, when you're that age and you're, you, you, we were given our own little Lord of the Flies world to exist in in this club in Lower East Side that was like historical and we knew about it before we got there and then we're running it and we're all like teenagers and like the authority higher up people are like 21 years old and there's all this shit going on and like shows and t-shirts and then records. Like I think there's just a lot of uh, – it's it's just there's a lot of intensity people writing fanzines doing all this everyone's activated right and it's a time in your life where you're trying to transition you know you have a sort of an adult mind and a child mind and you're trying to transition into something uh meaningful or uh something that you can identify with so that you can move into the next stage of life and you think it's going to last forever, and right. it doesn't. Yeah. You know, in in my case, it's it's so far it has kind of lasted in that regard that I'm still you know involved in it. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, what? it's yeah. transformed. It's it's at that time you couldn't have seen that. Sure. What yeah. did you do after high school? Did you did you go to college or were you touring or like what was sort of your trajectory? I guess after that, when you turned eighteen. Yeah, I mean, we were the bands like Gorilla Biscuits and Youth Today. We were starting to do some kind of cooler funner stuff you know getting out playing to california like you went to europe for the first time um but you know i didn't see it in a professional way um youth today got invited to uh we met an a and r guy at uh at universal once that was thinking about signing youth of today and that was really freaky Uh thinking like wow we could be on a major level nothing came of it but um I was still thinking of, I'm going to college. You know, I went to Hunter for a semester or so, and uh, Ray pretty much talked me into quitting college to do Youth Today stuff. And what were you like? Like, did you decide like what kind of focus you were going to have? Oh, in dude, school I had no, at that point? no. I was going to college because you that's just what you're supposed like, to do. Right. I mean, my when I came up, I think kids now probably have a different point of view about it. But like, I grew up. With the idea that, okay, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get a degree, and then someone calls you and said, here's a job, and then you do that job. And then you die. And then, you know, whatever. Other stuff (laughs) happens. I mean, uh, and so I was thinking that was the plot that I was going to follow, but um, started to get a little more exciting in uh, Youth Today and Gorilla Biscuit world. But what really pulled me out of all that was uh, quicksand getting signed to where it's like, okay, now I can live in a cool apartment in Manhattan Mm -hmm and go tour around the world and i don't have to work at a health food store and um well wherever this leads like it's definitely worth looking into because it sounds like this whole time you were doing all these bands that were like pretty successful but Mm -hmm. you were still like i don't know if this is going anywhere like it didn't seem like it was something that like you saw sort of being a viable thing no there was no way to think like okay gorilla biscuits is going to be you know at that time like who was popular uh Guns N' Roses were like our relief right. from like a, a horrible <clears throat> high school. High school, the bands that were popular on the radio were, you could be nostalgic and appreciate the cheesiness of them maybe. But, you know, even in the early 80s, at least there was like The Clash or Blondie or something like that. In the late 80s, second half, it was just garbage. It was like hair metal. Um, yeah. You know, from my point of view, <laughs> it was like that was rock music was <clears throat> this kind of stuff that I think now, you know, people you know, hipsters in Williamsburg think is maybe cool. I don't know. And there's probably is something cool to it, but living in it, it was like, that shit totally sucks. You know, you could look to say the Pixies as like a big, 
popular indie rock band. But they but, were not even that huge. No, and dude. that's the thing. They it wasn't a back. career choice. Yeah. It wasn't like a thing like Gorilla Biscuits could be the Pixies. Right. Yay. And then, you know, I'll be legitimate. It like wasn't <laughs> a, there was no career path. It was only when yeah, major labels were like, We'll pay, we'll give you this money and you can live in a way cooler way and do cooler stuff. But it took quicksand to make that happen. Not, yeah. And I even yeah. then I didn't look at it as like that because this moment, you know, I saw the, I saw the, you know, like very queens of me. I saw the the bullshit behind all sure. of it throughout, yeah. and was really it, it t- was took something. My first idea is like I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to be on a major label. I don't want to do all this crap. Let's make a band that sounds really shitty. Let's break <laughs> it up. You know what I mean? Right. It, to resist that idea of taking that leap. But I mean, it's just too kind of uh cool at that age to to you'd be an idiot i think to go like man i don't want to do that i'm gonna go to college and yeah yeah you know study something but it was trickier back then wasn't it you know <laughs> that's what i did yeah. <laughs> well done Joe. i'm gonna really study and it's gonna be really good and you're gonna be you can't come <laughs> you know, i'm gonna be doing good that's one of the cool things i look back on in that time of hardcore was like this is before fucking Warp Tour, mm-hmm. before like Victory Records was you like before all this stuff where like when I hear these old hardcore bands and I listen to it and I go, This was really about the movement and the message mm-hmm. because there was no way to make a living off this yet. No. Even the context didn't exist. No, there wasn't a for example youth of today to in no. Gorilla Biscuits to actually like sell enough records and keep the tour model you know, controllable enough that yeah. you're going to actually pay rent and live off these things. I, I don't think that happened even until the probably mid nineties where yeah. like maybe sick of it all, maybe hate breed, maybe some of these really big yeah, bands none of these started people are rich dude. there's no, yeah, there maybe no, they started paying rent. You're squeaking but, out a living in some way. I think there was a band, you know, when I got into the scene, the thing was people were trying to, you know, you take a band like Agnostic Front, you couldn't be bigger than Agnostic Front. Right. Were. Right. So what do you do? You just keep playing to like 400 people losing their shit. How do you get bigger? Yeah. And you Um, can't. Let's try to find metal kids, see if they'll get into it. Yeah. And metal kids are not into hardcore, really. You know, they seem similar, but it's like, you know, there's certain animals like you can take like a horse and some other animal and make like a donkey or something. Like, you know what I mean? There's certain (laughs) species like a tiger and a lion or something make thing, but they can't. A liger. A liger, but they can't actually, ligers can't then meet another liger and reproduce doesn't work and they're also physical like they're physically deformed they're like not good animals so it's like a liger strategy right the the whole yeah you don't want to metal so you basically ended up with like an extra 15 weird ligers in the in some weird uh, x chromosomal hardcore yeah who can communicate to other weird liger type of creatures but and they're awesome and they're cool, but not enough do you to mean, sell records. But they can't reproduce, or like they can't reproduce. That's the bottom line. By liger, do you mean biohazard? Is that what you're uh, talking about? Biohazard. What Were they biohazard? A liger? I think it works the other way. It's that's like a an efficient kind of creature, like a donkey, like a liger. You can't really do anything with a liger. It's just oh, I see. It just looks weird. Can't run fast and right. still eat you. Biohazard still serves like a very. They serve a functional purpose in the wild. They c- they saying. came from like a donkey or something like that can carry things and is, can be your friend and help you. Like, like a burrow. A burrow, that's it. Because they're coming from metal, but dressing themselves in hardcore, mm. right? Which gives them an edge in the world of metal. Right. right. I see. I mean, they might not see it that way. But, <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but um, 
Uh, and, you know, and, but I think that they were able to, because their roots maybe were in metal, that they were able to speak that language. But I don't think it works from the other direction. And so, <laughs> and it's not a good career thing. It wasn't interesting to me. Anyway. No one wants to be a burrow. I was into hardcore because I was into hardcore and punk and stuff like that. Like I was into, you know, the Smiths and, and Joy Division and, and post-punk and Wire and things like that. Like more on that side of things. I looked at metal it took me a long time to finally just say okay i like metallica like, right okay i like slayer to feel okay about it to be like yeah you know what i can't like you can't you just gotta admit like musically or whatever it just works and it's powerful and it's important and but the idea of metal was anathema to me i just didn't dig it i liked acdc i liked like dirtbag style right. black sabbath because i could relate to that i had spent some time in that world but like in the just like i'm a metalhead it just happened at the time that i people are creating their identities of like i'm a punker i'm a skateboarder i'm a metalhead i'm a whatever this breakfast club moment right and that was just not my team see i i always wonder listening to certain things because the way you describe like how you got into punk and mm -hmm. these radio stations and certain things mm -hmm. one of my first entrances into not just heavy music because i liked grunge and metal mm -hmm. before that but into like alternative heavy music mm -hmm. was watching 120 minutes mm -hmm. on mtv yeah and early on three bands that are still huge bands mm -hmm. for me which are helmet quicksand mm -hmm. and sunny day real estate mm -hmm. i discovered all of them on 120 minutes yeah and to me i was like what the fuck is this music mm -hmm. i'm like it's not hardcore it's not metal he's singing but he's not singy singy yeah, yeah. it's still rough enough that yeah. i like think it's tough and uh -huh. like and those sparse guitars and like for someone like me who now understands the landscape of where it came from how did you go from like a to b like how because i don't remember hearing anything like quicksand mm. prior to quicksand mm -hmm. and yeah, that's a good point huh yeah that's a really good point so mm. so i'm i'm wondering like almost like was this just straight up like hashed out of your brain was it like a sound you were looking for? Had you heard something you were trying to like emulate or? I think it was just like a feeling because I think the hardcore youth crew <clears throat> world had just kind of run its course. You know what I mean? Like everyone who joined up in that three year span kind of for a bunch of different reasons where it, you know, from my side of it being in like the youth crew side of it, it's like, okay, we were so successful in converting the scene to this way of thinking, this way of dressing and being into it. And then what I felt was like, okay, now we're playing to a room full of people that think the same things and act the same way and look the same. And I don't like it that much, actually. It's mm. just getting stale. You know, like there's not enough variety anymore. Right. You know what I mean? And um, the bands aren't playing together anymore. So it's just like four different versions of the same thing. Mm. And the bands that were leading it are obviously like it's so far you know the music is so tight it's like where do you go as soon as you do anything outside of that box you're no longer in it mm -hmm. and so you will be destroyed i mean you look at like uniform choice they made this really <laughs> awesome record that everyone loved that i loved um and then they thought well they could progress and no you cannot not progress world, it's yeah. not going to work because this is the the target and and so that to me became you know as i became more interested in songwriting and music and lyrics and just life you know i was meeting different people and you know um that became really confining and 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 so 
At the same time, the scene had gotten popular, and so there was a lot of people there, and then they just started to move bullies in, started beating people up. Right. And so, um, you know, systematically, all the kind of more interesting people, I think, were just either getting beat up or just didn't want to be around the violence. And um, so... CB's kind of started to not function and then ABC No Real, which is this club in, on Rivington Street, started to come up with kind of like all the kind of nerds from CB's and mm. more left side people right. were going there. And I thought that was interesting. That was a place where you could experiment. And so um, we quicksand just wanted to make something with all that awesomeness of hardcore and power, you know, of like that still is obviously to me relevant um, today in that people go buy those records and, you know, f- take some inspiration from it or whatever and loosen it up, you know, just see where it goes. Do something that has the same power. And also hip-hop was happening at the same time. Right. And and also, yeah, metal was happening. Because Quicksand finally, has like a little bit of a bounce to it. Oh, it's it so was, much rap. In yeah. It. So, uh, you know, you take a song like She Watched Channel Zero by Public Enemy. Like, to me, that was, like, the ultimate combination of cool funkiness and heavy, you right. know, rappiness. Sure, you know? sure. And so I guess Quicksand was kind of some sort of plugging into that and at the same time connected to what Fugazi were doing, which is sort mm-hmm. of like, a uh, you know, uh, more openness, more looseness, uh, and, you know, sort of left-wing politics, which I was, you know, I related to more than the hardcore scene. When I first got there, people were, you know, talking about being anti-Reagan. If you went there wearing like a CCCP t-shirt, you would get your ass kicked. Right. Like it was, you know, because a lot of the kids in New York are from like working class. Sure. Reagan type of Republican, you know, New York Post type of people. And that's real. You yeah. know what I mean? That doesn't, it's just like, it's not D.C., yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, and that doesn't mean that it's uh, that I. I think that that's fine. I think it's cool, and that you know produces cool shit. I don't always agree with the politics of that, um, but that's the um, that's the kind of atmosphere. And just quicksand wanted to be something loose, play with people that I knew were down for that. You right. know what I mean, and and so then the sound became uh, something else because we just let it be something else and then once we started to understand it you know you know then we kind of took different steps with it i think but it was more about the feeling of it right well answer well no that's a great answer while we're on the subject of quicksand steven couldn't be here but he Mm -hmm. texted me a question Uh he wanted me to ask you about the quote unquote third quicksand album um there was just different demos there was no third album it's like we're not going into the third album it's more like the record label and the circumstances were like you guys you know just come on, do something. And um, I think a lot of people thought World's Fastest Car was the third quicksand record. There was I definitely took some songs, not so much from the quicksand material, but like more from post that. Because I ended up they ended up picking up my personal option from the record oh, thing. Right. And then the whole you know, it's a whole kind of, you know, corporate thing where people get fired, new people get hired and it was so you were like, locked down where anything you were gonna do post quicksand they had the rights to yeah in, the, in a good way in the sense that they were paying me to right. like be an artist right? sure sure and um so they were, they were paying for you to stay in new york at that point and write and work yeah, on I mean, music were, it wasn't like they were you know 
I was living yeah. high on the, on the hog or anything. But, right, right, right. But yeah. I was able to focus. I was able to be an artist in New York City yeah, at that time. Ass, yeah. And and uh, you know, but it, it was still tricky because at that time there was still a lot of it was corporate. Then I was kind of like by myself in this whole mm. world that I, I, you know, I didn't come into it that way. And so, um, you know, I was writing songs and I thought they were cool songs and trying to create a new band. And then it would be like, this song's great. You know, do some more demos. And then, okay, these ones we're not sure. Maybe do some more demos. And then, and it's like, I'm starting, my audience is now becoming A&R people. My mm. audience is no longer my my people or my scene right, right. or whatever and so that was that was a, tr- a tricky adjustment for me and um because these people you know they you know and there's all different types to work at any kind of but the atmosphere there is like um you know especially at that time you know we're trying we're living in the the buzz bin era you know right. like we want hits we want to do this and like you know you can just be it's so many stories of bands like <clears throat> that uh their records never come out and they're like right. amazing records and cool people and they spent like three years trying to play the game and in the end the A&R gets fired A&R guy gets yeah. fired for whatever reason and the record doesn't come out so I was in that world a little bit <clears throat> right. it was really it was a really it's somebody should fucking write about this because I think it was real I think it was happening in New York more than anywhere mm-hmm was really unstable and it was all nirvana's fault Mm -hmm. that suddenly labels were signing artists that they didn't understand that's Mm -hmm. essentially what it was like they were going out there they were trying to find the next not necessarily like the next nirvana but the next like underground music movement or right i mean quicksand's a great example Mm -hmm. of that like yeah it sounds band sounds great but once they bring them into the fold they're like, how do we, you know, how do you translate it to the fucking MTV audience? Yeah, I didn't right. have any illusions. About There's so that. many bands. I knew so many bands at that time yeah. that this happened to. Yeah, you know, fucking Nirvana. <laughs> I mean, they're awesome, yeah, and I'm psyched. I would, I would not change that <laughs> from happening. It rules. And there's, and I love the idea that a lot of bands that maybe wouldn't have done anything had this little moment where they got to ride in a tour bus and, right. sure. and do some cool shit yeah, yeah. so i think that's awesome like and and that they you know sonic youth had right were on television right you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. somehow because people didn't know what the hell was going on but um anyway coming back to quicksand so you know we were just super ideological and like you know we were still in our mind this kind of like fugazi type of operation and so I don't know why we decided we got into some sort of disagreement about something or other and you know our principles were compromised in some way that we could no longer possibly continue the band and then um the record label uh you know eventually kind of just you know they picked up my option but eventually once I got into this little like weird gray area uh you know they wanted us to do quicksand again and it wasn't that much time so you know we explored it and then it was just not you know we weren't in the right you know, things are about timing. You know, our heads weren't in the right place. And, and uh, you know, we did some really cool stuff, but at the time I didn't hear it that way. I heard it. I heard more the the parts that I didn't like than mm. the stuff that I did like. And so now I can still, you know, objectively say, well, there's maybe four or five songs and like of those four or five, they're all okay. And there's a few that are really good. So um, maybe it was more of a mindset thing at that point. I think a lot of things are. see it like that. Yeah, I mean, it's like when you... Like at any point in your life, you might think that something's important, good, bad, uh, doesn't matter. And then um, 
at some later point, you might be like, oh, I was a little intense about that or mm. um, shit, I should have paid attention to that or whatever. Right, you know, right, you're, right. You're, where you're at in, emotionally or whatever or uh, you know, spiritually or financially, they're all, they all weigh in on, on – and so at that time, I just thought this sucks. I'm not getting paid that much. I'm just fighting too much and I don't really – I'm not really crazy about what the music is. Um, and so, so those songs just kind of at that time there wasn't the internet, so it wasn't like wasn't worried about it leaking or anything. Yeah. And now that it is available, it did some, leak. Yeah. That, that's where, from a funny fans perspective yeah. at that time, you know, everyone was waiting for a third Quicksand yeah. record because there wasn't like this official like we're done. Yeah. In the outside world, and then it actually surfaced. I had a tape yeah. with like six of the world's fastest uh-huh. car songs on it. Like, not that long after yeah. Manic Compression, like within a couple okay. years. So I don't know how the hell it got out, but it was like, you guys were so sought after at the time mm-hmm. that some Grateful Dead shit was yeah. going on with like <laughs> well, with cool. like your world's... Fa- like, yeah. we were like duping demos of these songs. But we were under the impression that it was just new quicksand. Like, because there was no like official like this yeah i actually didn't know any of the stuff with like you and alan and any of that until like yeah. later on in in life when i was just nerding out and, yeah you know it was just demos really you know right. and then those demos the, i guess wasn't it what the thing was i mean they're nice demos <laughs> yeah the thing that i would have thought about it then i think would have been okay so now we've made these demos so now these a and r people are going to judge whether that's good enough to be a hit and if it is, then these things will happen. And if it's not, then this other thing will happen. And it's like, I don't, I'm not getting, it's not, I'm not enjoying this ride. And it's like, if you're in something where you're getting paid tons of money or you have all these employees or something like that, <clears throat> I think you can start to look at it in a different way right. to be like, okay, well, you know, if I don't do these, if I don't see this quicksand album through, then, you know, Tony and his family over there are going to be out of work because we're such a big operation and maybe I shouldn't think about myself so much. Mm. But at that time, you know, it was it was easier to say uh we're not getting along this doesn't doesn't really rock me and yeah. and I think the fact that it leaked onto the internet is just cool. I'm happy with it because it kind of I think anything that you find where you're um, you have this intimacy with it that you have to be a real fan to get it mm-hmm. makes it cooler and sound better in a way. That's true. And because it is, it's, it's that relationship that you have with that music to see, you know, the other day a friend was talking about Van Morrison was under some contra- contractual uh, dispute and he um, had to write 80 songs for this old record label wow. that he was on to get out of the contract. So he wrote 80 songs about what an asshole the lady that ran the record company was about her dead ex-husband and like wow yeah and like he wrote and it's on the internet it's not 80 songs like 30 songs to get out of the contract roasted this woman yeah and i haven't heard the songs but i asked my friend he goes yeah you know they're not like hit songs by any stretch but it's van morrison like not terrible (laughs) yeah and like so anything he does is kind of right you know he was probably having enough fun to like roast this lady (laughs) for all this risk that there's some emotional motive behind it right so that's real and i think if you like an artist and it's real on that level and you get a glimpse in it. I think that adds to the story and, and adds to the depth of, of, of seeing it, seeing it as like some human thing that's going right. on. And so I think all that shit's great. But, um, but I guess I would take, 
I would give pause to say like it's the third quicksand album because that that's just my standards are just too, too right. high. Sure, you know what I mean. I'm just too like if I'm gonna say I'm making an album, it's the third. I wouldn't call it a failure. I would call it like a step on the way to the next thing. Sure. One thing I was wondering, like where, and I think it's even would be something cool. Let's just imagine that people who play music are listening to this thing. I guess they probably are. <laughs> and because uh, I respect the idea and, you know, it's something I've run into personally a couple times where like when something wasn't feeling right to you anymore mm-hmm. and the music wasn't there and the feeling wasn't there, mm-hmm. you seemed quick to be able to have that confidence to be like, this is no longer what mm-hmm. it is moving on yeah like let's go on to the next thing let's try something new Mm -hmm. and let's not spin these wheels that clearly aren't Mm -hmm. going where we need them to be like Mm -hmm. i think that's a really important thing to have with music Mm -hmm. and i think especially in the context of labels and managers Mm -hmm. and agents when you have all these people chirping in your ear about Mm -hmm. what things are supposed to be and your obligations and Mm -hmm. if you don't play this show your whole fucking career is going to fall apart and this this these things that they convince you of, mm-hmm. how did you manage to like have the confidence to kind of just keep playing on that feeling? This mm-hmm. isn't going right. I want to try something else and mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and do it regardless of mm-hmm. what's in the wake, I suppose. Um, on the one hand, I'd never really bought into the whole seriousness or importance of the industry in that way. Um, because there's just too much spinal tap absurdity in it to really put too much stock in it. But, um, on that side of it, I think maybe that made that aspect of it easier on the other side of it coming up in hardcore, just like I realized, you know, when I came up, my musical experience was I was in Gorilla Biscuits. I was in youth today. I was in Warzone. Uh, these bands would have these really, really super sharp, bright moments and, then the you know it would be over and so i came up in that thinking so quicksand to me was just another thing like that i wasn't thinking like oh the legacy right you know i was just like we're doing this it's not working uh and i think the other guys were not so different you know in, in their own way so um i think now at this stage of my life i recognize um you know that there's not within every thing, but I think there's absolute, you know, especially if you, you know, if you're married, if you have children, you got to work at shit. You got to morph it. You got to keep making it move. And I think within a musical relationship, you know, if you're with the, with good people, you know, people are going to be going through different things. And the trick is to take that, adjust to it and invest in it. And then you can take different things. But I guess the way I came up at that time was like, we're youth today, we're straight edge, we dress like this, our songs go like this. If we're not doing like that, it's not good, then we're not that. We're not Krishna, so we're Krishna something right. else. We do that. You know, Grill Biscuits, we sing songs about positive things, we're in the hardcore scene, we're blah, 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 we do this, it's done. We're, we're not going to become, you know, a metal band. We're not going to become right. a this band. And, um, you know, a lot of artists that I admire are that way. You know, uh, you know someone like Paul Weller, um, you know, people that have done something and they say that's done and they move on to the next thing. But I think, I don't think that it's um, really, there's any right or wrong to any of it. I think it's amazing. You know, you look at a band like Pink Floyd, like they had their main singer songwriter um, 
you know, split and the bass player, you know, the other guys filled the vacuum and took right. it to some totally other place. That is also great. You know what Van I mean? Van Hagar. Van Hagar. <laughs> okay. That's another example, you know? So, I mean, they're, they're out there if you have, you know, if someone in the band or you can get enough people that collectively feel like, you know, especially in today's day and age, if you have like a, some sort of name recognition right. where people know who you are, that's a valuable thing. So I, sure. I think it's going back to the initial thing, like confidence, partially, uh, but also, you know, naivety, stupidity. Right. You know, a combination of things, not all of them good. Well, where does, do you feel, oh, oh, sorry. Man. Please, uh, Jonah. Where do you feel like you're at now? Because, like, obviously, you know, like, you have New Pratt, Dead Heavens. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, like, Quicksand just played Wrecking Ball, Gorilla Biscuits just toured. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you ever think, I guess back, like, whenever the early 90s, that these bands that you were in would sort of still be active and you'd also have newer projects? I mean, like, is it surprising to you that all this stuff is sort of still going on for you? Or did you never Absolutely really think could about never it? have planned it or thought about it beyond the fact that like each record or each thing that I do, I am really putting, I want it to be great. You know, I want it to count and I want to have it come out in the best possible context. Um, and so because of that thinking behind it and regard, and I think sometimes I'm very with the times or out of the times, ahead of the times or, you know, uh, like those things I, I can't always control. But the things that like my relationship to the music is always the same. Uh, like I'm, I'm not very flippant about it, you know, usually. Like I'm trying to do the best thing ever mm-hmm. and, and I'm trying to do something different. I'm trying to like progress not – for myself so i i get it maintains some interest for me so that i'm like you know i wish i could keep doing start today records because i'm so into that record it's awesome but like i don't know what to say after i said hold your ground like it's pretty much the top level of holding your ground like (laughs) um but actually i have found different ways to say that and uh and that's always been my my thing so like i'm psyched that that has resonated with people and i don't think that it's because like I'm necessarily so special or good or that I have like some sort of awesome formula or recipe for anything, but just shit's worked out in that way for me. And I think it's great because it's allowed me to continue to explore my musical deal, which is a really great way to live, which is what I'm, cause I'm interested in it and to ma- maintain so many cool relationships and, and, um, and, uh, do fun things that I, I find, you know, totally interesting. See, I do think, like, even what you're describing, it takes confidence and it, like, takes some level of balls Mm -hmm. that I think, like, a lot of groups are lacking these days. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that idea that I just wrote something that this many people like, I'm getting to pay my rent from it, Mm -hmm. it's this and that. A lot of people are scared to go outside of that context because they're going to piss off this base of people Mm. that they just got yeah they work so hard to get these 200 people at every show for x amount of years that they'll do anything to keep those people there yeah and the music takes a back seat to the holding people in a room yeah i mean it's a tricky equation so i do think it takes like a level of of balls that you can get to a a new point musically Uh that will still be interesting and still turn people on Uh which actually leads to my next question for you which is like I, I love the way you do that when mm-hmm. you when you move on and you see something new you want to chase and you chase mm-hmm. it. But that leads back to me like 
like there must be an aspect of your life because of that that's moderately unsettled because it's always moving and always progressing and always thinking Mm -hmm. and never satisfied Mm -hmm. i suppose or satisfied for a very short time probably Mm -hmm. and uh like do you ever dream of this idea at like a certain age when you're just going to be like unplug i'm like I'm done chasing the dragon. Mm. I'm done trying to satisfy this thing in me. And I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to watch everything. I'm just going to do what I do. Or do you think like this is just the perpetual state of, of Walter? I think it's a good, I think it's an, you know, I mean, everyone's got their own different um, kind of take, but I, I think, you know, that's what you want in life. You want something to challenge you that you can, find joy from and find a struggle in and to create and um you know to me it seems sort of that's the way that it should be i mean i would love to get paid more you know what i mean right. so that that i think is i didn't care about that you know for a, that was never my motivation right but you know now i have a family like i i think it's cool to get paid sure but um but i don't I'm I'm not sweating it really, and and uh, I think it's cool to have something in your life that draws you into life more. Like mm-hmm. I want to have more experiences. I get to reflect on them sometimes, you know, in an interview kind of situation, and that's cool. But like I want to experience things, not and and the performance element of it, or the you know, I love rehearsing. It's like <laughs> I'm meeting with three people or, or whatever that I respect, that I find interesting, funny, annoying, uh, talented, uh, you know, flawed as I am, you know what I mean? And like trying to navigate those personalities and get the schedule together. And like, you know, I might have an idea or I might have to work with someone else's idea mm. and see what I can do with that. Like, I find that totally interesting, you know, and, and um, I think, I think that's, you know, that I'm able to do that and and still you know uh is kind of awesome to me you know sure. and and i and i feel like really blessed if by nothing else than for that you know so the quest will continue yeah like why would i want to stop <laughs> you know what i mean to do what sit on a beach yeah, hang out corn like, cob pipe rocking chair yeah i mean there'll be a time i'll start sculpting then though <laughs> and then i'll be in my next sculpture and i'll be like fuck this sculpture sucks i gotta sucks. Fi- i gotta fix it should make the dick bigger or it's time yeah the dick's not big enough <laughs> gonna have to gonna have to make a dick a bigger dick next time and i'm just gonna grow from this and uh you know, and sometimes you just have to leave it alone and move on. And, and by understanding that is growth, too. You know what I mean? Keep life interesting. Okay. Thank you to Walter Schreifels for coming by. Check out his new album from Vanishing Light. It is called Surveillance out on Dying Alone Records. Uh, speaking of Dining Alone, I love Dining Alone. Sitting at the bar. Yeah. I've always been a fan. Never had a problem. Going to movies alone. Yeah. I'll me neither, man. Isn't that weird? Trish thinks it's so... Uh, my wife, Trish, thinks that's so weird. She's like, why would you go... And Kath, to- my wife's the same way. I'm like, I, I, I love it. Yeah. Well, especially <laughs> going to shows or movies, you're like, I'm not really talking to anyone during the thing anyways. Yeah. What's the difference? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... Shows are a little bit different. I mean, I do it all the time. Especially, I mean, if you know the band or whatever, obviously, you're not really going alone. Yeah. Yeah, I've done it where I've gotten just been the only one kind of 
by myself in the audience for sure. But dining alone, I feel like there's advantages because, yeah, you can usually sit at the bar. You have yeah. to wait for a table. You can just kind of get in and out. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Podcasting alone, a little not as good. <laughs> there are those who do it. Bill Burr does it, and it's one of probably my favorite podcasts. The you interview, know that? Really? The interview himself. No, I want to listen to his. Monday morning podcast. It's just him on Monday and Thursday mornings just talking for an hour, and then he answers questions. Sometimes his wife comes in, but it's just basically him talking about his day, but he's just so inherently funny that it's just like him complaining about shit, and it's amazing. That's that's. Cool, I guess. It's like a Even radio his show. ad read, he basically makes fun of the advertisers when he reads the ad. <laughs> it's it's great. I re- highly recommend it. Okay. What's um, an I, advertiser? What's that? What's what? an advertiser? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, we don't have any advertisers, so you can donate to us at goingofftrack.com. Donate a dollar or two. Help us. I, I can say that us not having an advertiser, having any advertisements is. Due to a complete lack of trying on our part. Yeah, it's not due to us like being super punk. Yeah, if it, you've been with us from the beginning, you've you've heard a few. You've heard a few. Epitaph did some that was very nice. And they were all all of them came to us. <laughs> all pretty much everybody who's who's advertised on us has been. A we fan. have like the worst business acumen. Yeah. <laughs> well, I felt like I, even the I used to like try to solicit ads on the podcast, and then I just <laughs> would listen back to one. I was like, this sounds so desperate. <laughs> I mean, the truth is, we would all love to do this completely for free because. It's art, and we like to keep it pure. But we are going to, at some point, start having advertisers. And maybe, now that I may have some free time, we may upgrade this to 2.0. Yeah. But you'll only, you know, we'll bring Steven in uh, off the fucking digital connection. Make him analog here's, here's, again. Here's the thing, because I want to be there, because it's so much more fun. But if you are a regular podcast listener, you know... Because of Brad, you can't tell that I'm far away. They can tell. I can tell. Can't. You can tell. <laughs> well, Jonah, can you tell? I've listened. Uh, no, most of the time you can't really tell. Mm. Except when you start going. Like, it's gotten. It, That's I, just how I talk. I will say. I will say it's gotten much better. <clears throat> well, then I take back everything I've said about Brad. You suck. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no advertisers donate. Please. That's a, that's a fix for now. Um, if you don't donate, um, at least if you can leave us a nice review on iTunes, that's great. That makes us look good. Or send us some spiritual s- karma. Send us some karma. Tell your friends about the podcast. Or oh yeah, uh, my new thing is put up a put up a sign in your in your yard. Put up a Please. sign saying I, I like going off track in your yard. <laughs> um, you can you can actually start today if you want to do that. <laughs> yeah, download nice, the logo. Jonah. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. That was for you, Walter. Uh, all right, uh, we'll be back next week with more bad puns. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.